sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box. A hard cross. McBride scores. It's 3-0 United States. Welcome to Bone and Bean United. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. We have got plenty to get into today on a Soccer Podcast Day. We do have the Premier League back. Mm. Finally. Long time away for them. So we will talk about some big games this weekend. You've got the Manchester Derby. You've Yuck. got Arsenal Tottenham. Yeah, it's not that that game's going to be that good, the Manchester Derby. It's just, it's supposed to be a rivalry. That's usually, you know, you have two teams in the same city. It's supposed to be a rivalry. Yep, it's not. It's supposed to be evenly matched. Mm-hmm. Hey, Leeds is playing too. I'm excited about that. That's right after your game on Sunday. It's good. like a back-to-back. All right. Yeah, that's a good place. Maybe we go to Zaftig and all do that. That'd be fun. I know you guys will be there, the Manchester United contingent. Maybe yes, we Leeds, will. The Leeds contingent could maybe show up right after. That'd, That'd be, be fun. great. And then we can hit each other and break glasses over each yeah, other. Yeah, we can heads. fight each other. That's yeah. right. That's, that's what you I'm do. I'm sure Jim over at Zaftig is I'm sure drooling over the idea about of that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good thing. Hey, they say pub- any publicity is good publicity, right? Do they say that? I think so. All right. I don't know how well, true it is, there but we go. that's a thing that well, has been said in the past. We're saying it now. Uh, also, MLS is back, too. Crew with work to do, we will give you some idea of what they have in front of them as they try to make the playoffs. And uh, it's going to come down to them in Inter Miami. Mm. I just want to be clear in case you thought it was Inter Milan. Maybe we should have scheduled Barcelona earlier on in the summer too. Yeah, (laughs) Maybe. Maybe that would have helped. Who knows? I have no idea. Um, So we'll get into all that, plus some updates on the 2026 World Cup. Uh, and, of course, we will talk U.S. soccer. But we have to start off with the biggest news, I think, in the podcast's history. This is huge news. Uh, this is uh, astounding. Congratulations to soon-to-be Papa Beam. Mm-hmm. You uh, you and Meredith, your lovely wife, announced on – well, I saw it on Twitter. I don't know where else you announced it. Maybe on your Snapchat. Only fans. Only <laughs> Yeah. Good. All right. Well, wherever you announced it, you announced that you guys are having a baby. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, so over the past couple of months now, uh, it's been a it's been a weird thing, right? It's if anybody who's had a kid, and obviously we aren't crossed that finish line yet, but very excited about that. Appreciate all the kind words on social media uh, that we've been getting over the past couple of days has been uh, really really nice and awesome to see. But yeah, it was uh, pretty wild. So was watching an F one race earlier in the summer. And this was back in early July, and it was an early start. And Meredith's like, "Nah, I don't think I'm gonna go. I just, you know, whatever. I don't want to go out there and drink early in the morning. You can do that though. Go ahead." So I yeah. did. I went down, watched an F1 race, came back, and she was like, "Hey, uh, probably a good idea that I didn't go down uh, and watch the race with you guys today because I'm pregnant." And I'm like, "Oh, whoa. whoa, whoa, okay." And I didn't know how to react. And I'm pretty sure I said, "Oh my god," in which every variation that you can think of, like, "Oh my god, that's amazing." Oh my God, that's terrifying. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is what am I going to do with the rest of my life? How, you know, so like your brain starts spinning, but yeah, we're, we're very, very excited about it. Uh, and that's been the hardest part. At least I don't know from your perspective. I mean, cause you know, Meredith and I like to go around, drink beers, hang out, do things together. And really the toughest part over the last couple of months, um, I feel like has just been keeping this in a very, very tight circle yeah. of people yeah. who you're telling, obviously told her parents and, uh, close family members. But other than that, it's been pretty bubble sealed here. 
Um, and it's been a wild ride uh, over, yeah. over the last couple of months. But, yes, we're very excited. I'm I'm thrilled for you guys. That is awesome. I do remember, actually, that, that feeling, though, because we had that with our first, which was – this was around – like around the holidays, yeah. we were going to a party. I remember at a friend's house. Might have been a New Year's party. Okay. Daughter was born in September, my oldest. Uh, so, actually, her birthday is on the day we are recording the podcast this week. So, just for whatever it's worth. Happy, happy birthday. birthday, Viv. But, yes, but, again, go back nine months. So, we're on our way to a, I believe, New Year's Eve party. And that's when Melissa said to me, she's like, you know, I don't think I'm going to drink tonight. And I was like, oh, why not? And she's like, well... You never know. And I'm like, never know. what. And then she's like, I maybe, maybe, I don't know. I'm just, I got a feeling. I'm like, really? You think? And she's like, I don't know. And then a few weeks later, we found out, yeah, we were pregnant. Wow. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, it, it, it certainly is that type of thing that the first thing that entered my mind was the, the I'm excited. Yeah. And then I'm scared. And then I thought I have a designated driver for the next nine months. That's, so this I'd, is also. I've really been, I've been pulling that card out of my back pocket frequently. Yeah. Uh, the only advice, because I, I I have learned it's not great to give unsolicited advice just in life, but I will give you this one little piece on the on the designated driver front. Mm -hmm. You think it's annoying to be around a drunk person when you're sober <laughs> normally? Throw on all the stuff that goes on with pregnancy where your wife is, who knows what's going to be happening there? You know, whether it's morning sickness yeah. or any type of sickness or just headaches, whatever. And then add in like your drunk ass or my drunk ass back when my wife was pregnant. And then I'm just like, let's go over here. And she's like, I just, I want to drop you off at a rest stop and never see you again. Like that's just maybe sparing use is yeah. what I would say on the DD. Front. I got, I got to that limit uh, this past weekend. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you already know, you yeah, already know. Yeah, yeah. I'm aware. Don't pull it out too much. Yeah. Uh, don't pull that card out of your pocket or out of your wallet uh, too often, but yes, no, we're, we're, we're very excited about that bone and, uh, should be a, a fun run here over the next uh, few months leading into late March is the uh, due date. I think is March 24th. So very, uh, very excited about that. And if, if this if this plans out correctly, uh, that would mean one March Madness, baby, mm -hmm. which is yep, very good for cool. paternity leave. Also, which means maternity leave that Meredith would be done with the school year. Oh, very early. And then yeah. would be would be good because then you get the whole summer mm -hmm. so, yeah that would be a nice it would roll right in there that correct. would be very good oh that's that's good hopefully that all goes that way and 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 also then she does not say like after two months like get me back to school as soon as possible because yeah. this is crazy like exactly it, i mean it's fun it's exhausting but yeah you know you you'll you can get a little little lack of sleep. That's all right. You've had yeah, that. That's you're, fine. You're used to getting up early. Yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah. And now I'm just not going to sleep when that's I get right. up early. So it's going to really <laughs> pair well together. But I will tell you what, definitely uh, going to be using that card to go down to Zaftig uh, for these match days because mm -hmm. I realize once that happens, um, they might rip my name off the bar stool. Mm, yeah, you gotta you gotta make sure you stay there. You Correct. gotta gotta keep your record up. <laughs> I I will say though, now in hindsight, and again, there's no way you could have known this, but it's a shame now this has happened that Meredith is gonna have to watch this World Cup run for this U.S. men's national team sans alcohol. Yeah, because uh, stone cold sober. I got news for you. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to watch it without some delicious Zaftig mm -hmm. because this is. Did you watch these games? I did. Um, so Ooh. I watched I watched on Friday. Actually, after our morning show, uh, I went over to Zaftig and watched. They were kind enough that they're open at 
or seven or eight o'clock on weekdays because they've got uh, that great coffee shop in there as well. Uh, side nugget, side note on this: saw a man whose name is Ned take down thirty-two ounces of chocolate milk. You know how they have those big Oktoberfest oh, steins? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Those big uh, liters took down thirty-two ounces of chocolate milk in fifteen minutes, which was Ooh, quite an impressive feat. I said, buddy, if I had two sips of that. My insides would be a mess for the next week. Not a big milk guy. I I can do dairy milk for some reason. Not does, great. Yeah, okay. it doesn't doesn't get along with me. Uh, so I went down there, watched this, and everybody was just. I, I get that they're friendlies. Like I understand that, but you want to see, at least a pulse. With well, this team and like I, Japan, good like, team. We'll get into our World Cup previews as that gets closer. It's, yes. It's just you've had all this hype around you. And everybody is decently healthy. I mean, you're not – I know that Christian Pulisic took a knock in training or whatever it was before the Japan game uh, on Friday, and he was held out of that. Like, I get it. I understand that. Gio Reyna took one yesterday and was subbed off after 30 minutes against Saudi Arabia. I would have liked to see, like, goals and friendlies, whatever. If you don't get them, I think it's okay. You could understand that. You can accept that. As long as the run of play looks good and as long yeah. as the link-up play looks good and you look like a cohesive unit that has at least some threat to score goals. What I saw over these last two games in 180 minutes of play, no goals. Okay, fine. Again, no big deal. They're friendlies. They're not going to cost you anything. What really happens when you need a goal, ultimately we'll find out come November. But just the lack of intuitiveness, the lack of cohesion, the lack of brilliance the lack of really everything this team needs was gone yeah oh totally i i i am i am deeply concerned about this team on a few levels one of which is just on the macro sense it feels like for two years we've been saying like well uh yeah this guy's hurt but you know once he's healthy then we'll get to see a few games with him in the midfield or him at striker or whoever at you know, it's center back or whatever it is, like all these different question marks we've had because of injuries or just this position not being settled. And you're literally now at the end of this qualifying or not qualifying. You're, you're at here. the end of you're all here. of it. This is the final tune-up matches. Yeah. These two, the Japan game Friday, Saudi Arabia on Tuesday. These are the final two games you have to get ready for the World Cup. And what do you have in them? In one of them, Christian Pulisic couldn't play and then looked so-so in the other game, Gio Reyna subbed off after 30 minutes for muscle tightness. Like, it feel, I don't feel confident that you're, this midfield that we've thought, like, well, when you get Gio Reyna and, you know, Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney, like, we, when is that ever going to happen? Yeah. Like, it, it may never happen, and even if it does, I'm not convinced it's just going to be this world-beater midfield. We know that it in only theory, takes, it can be in theory. It can be sure. In theory, there's a lot of talent there, you know, but in theory and in practice are two different things when in theory, yes, Serginho Dest is, is a good outside back and should be playing at right back. Unfortunately, they'd play him at left back because you had an injury there. Like, and so we'll see, like if hopefully Anthony Robinson can go and be yeah. okay. And, and hopefully he'll be fine. But this, this is what I'm talking about. Like, now you're at this point where everybody is like, well, if this guy could stay healthy, well, that would be nice if this would happen. I don't see the optimism for this team right now. I'm sure I will get there over the next month and a half. I'm sure I will feel more optimistic. I'll talk myself into some things. I'm sure these guys will round into health, hopefully. But it, it's it's a deep concern when you look at two games, 180 minutes, 
How many shots on target did Two. this team register? Two. That's none on Friday. None against none Japan. On, none against Japan. And Japan just just stopped them. Yeah. Like it the scoreline, I know the second goal came late in that game. Doesn't but matter. It, no, they Japan dominated that game. Yeah. And this is where for those of you and I'm I acknowledge there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who, because of his affiliation with the crew, have a soft spot for Greg Berhalter and feel like Greg Berhalter often, and probably to some degree you're correct, gets uh, unfair criticism from U.S. soccer fans, right? That's fair. Because some of those U.S. soccer fans will not be settled until, you know, I am Jose Mourinho shows up or, or like whoever, like name the biggest star that they can picture in their mind. Thomas Tuchel. Why is that guy not managing this team? Right. And so Greg Berhalter, given his, you know, family ties to the U S national team and given that he is not probably the most overwhelming candidate to get it. I totally understand where some of that frustration comes from. And I know you're not going to satisfy everyone with any hire you make that all said, I don't think that undercuts some of the criticism that you've had here where the concern, as always, and this is with any selection of any national team, is the U.S. national team going to take the 26 best players or are they going to take the 26 guys who fit what Greg Berhalter wants Correct. and play the way Greg Berhalter wants? So we know the answer to that, right? They're going to, He's going to take the 26 guys that fit what he wants to do, and that rubs some people the wrong way. Maybe that will ultimately be the good decision. The concern with his playing style and the concern with this style that the team wants to play is, yeah, in a World Cup, you can afford to have a lot of games like they played against Saudi Arabia. Of course. You can have a ton. Of, you can play that way. It's extremely boring. But they had a couple chances that should have been finished and weren't. If they finish those, which they should in a World Cup. But I'm sure if you go listen to Saudi Arabia's people breaking down that game, they would say they played a tough game. We had a couple chances. We could have finished. Of course. Right? And they so, had won it 40 seconds into the game. Yeah, right. So... It's it's one even of those before I've realized what color shirts that the U.S. team was wearing. I'm like, oh, good yes. start for us. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, we're like, wearing why, blue today. Why would why would Saudi Arabia be wearing blue? But <laughs> I had the same thought. I was like, oh, that looks. Oh wait, that's not us. Yes, that's not no. <laughs> that's uh, literally a thought that I had. Yeah, I was in the same spot. But that's the concern I have with this system, and the concern that anyone should rightfully have with it is it has taken a long time for players to get acclimated to it and to play it well. And you just don't have that kind of time with this national team, let alone the amount of injuries they've had, let right. alone the amount of guys who haven't been able to play in it. So the concerns exist and they are, they are fundamental and they are real. He insists on playing with a guy at the top of the formation. U S doesn't seem to have that player. And I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Personally, I don't care who you put up in the top of this formation. I have not seen it look like this dominating side that can just go out and play not against CONCACAF competition, Forget that. CONCACAF is good competition. It's not what you're going to face in the World Cup. Yeah, man. Japan is what you're going to see in the world. Like that level that you saw. And Japan is Japan, a long shot odd to make it out of their group. Yeah. I'm not. I'm saying like there are just different ways people play this game outside of CONCACAF. And again, not to make the comparison that neighbor Eric won't get, but maybe for some of you who don't watch a lot of other, you know, don't watch a lot of soccer and you're just trying to figure out where this team stands. If you've ever watched like Big Ten basketball mm -hmm. and you watch yeah. a Big Ten basketball team, it's physical. It's it's a it's a different style of play than you see in other parts of college basketball. And when the NCAA tournament comes around, you'll see some of these really good Big Ten teams just not be able to hang 
with teams that play a different style or court if, run and gun. Right. Yeah. And if there's not a lot of mm-hmm. calls, if it's not, if it's not allowed to be a slugfest, if the referees are calling it a different way, it really affects how you play. I am concerned the U S is going to struggle with that when they play teams that can just actually play their style better. And I, I don't, I mean, I know the U S likes to possess the ball, likes to try to get it a little bit and then play around the back with it and try to draw you out and that kind of empty bucket thing. But yeah, but when at you're at some point, I would like to see this team actually play with more of a pulse because you see what happens whenever a team wants to press them and make them play quick, they struggle and they don't know how to handle that. They well, want to be slow and deliberate and, and take over the game that way and slowly wear you down. And it doesn't, if another team doesn't let you do that, it's they, they struggle. The most wild thing is it didn't seem like they could you know, key three, four, five passes together. Sometimes not even yeah. one uh, in the midfield when they would be pre- they, they would be pressed. Now to your point about Greg's style of play um, and the lack of finishing that we saw. Is that a blip on the radar? Can they finish those in the World Cup? I don't know. I don't know. The light's going to be too bright. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Now I will say this: the guys have played in a lot of meaningful games. Now we talked about this. I think three, four years ago, right? I mean, these young guys coming up, winning meaningful competitions, getting into these games. Okay, we're kind of looking forward to the roster of what it was going to be this year. Now, the good news, I think, for the U.S. soccer team is that you do have a play style that could get under opponent's skin. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's it a very, it's a very frustrating thing. And I know this is like devil's advocate situation, and I don't want to come off as like optimistic guy because I don't want to cloud that because I I'm not optimistic here today recording this podcast. But if you get into a game, a la with England, that Black Friday, and we know England, look, I mean, they, I know they got relegated from their Nations League or whatever that is. I, yes, I don't, I don't even know. I, to, I don't even know what's going on over wanna, there. I don't want to know either. I don't really it's a either. Stupid competition. I, I don't want to know what's going on either. You do that against England, they get fed up. Okay, cool. They get frustrated. You know, they make a couple of mistakes. Maybe you take advantage of that mistake. And we've seen it before on a big stage. This team is capable of doing things like that. But if your expectations going into this World Cup is Christian Pulisic, this is going to be the year, watch out. Everybody thinks of that midfield that you've been talking about with McKinney and Aronson and all these different guys, Adams, um, you know, Wea, like all these, all these guys with a lot of firepower. This isn't a great system for them to play in. Yeah. It's not it's, a great system to, for them to play in because they are not allowed to be free and do what they want to do. Other side, flip side of the coin is that is that it's good. If you play tactically, you have a chance to go out there and draw or beat the one of the best teams in the competition because you play an aggravating style if and if everything goes according to plan. So it's a double-edged sword, and you're going to have to get the best of Greg Berhalter's system when you ramp this thing up 50-some days away from now, and I'm not sure if they are capable of doing that in that time frame. If I can sum up what I think the two pools of thought are in the U.S. soccer community about this team and about Greg, like the pro Burhalter people who give more benefit of the doubt to Greg versus the people who disavow and say he's terrible and this is a wrong idea and he's stupid and I hate what he's doing. I, maybe I'm oversimplifying, but I tend to think it falls into one of two camps. There's the camp that says the U.S. can't hope to compete with the likes of the talent that's out there for some of these big boy clubs in world soccer. So let's play a system that minimizes the impact of an individual player being up or down or good or bad on the day. And let's play a system that rather, like you said, draws out frustration, draws the game into a a slower pace, makes it a slug fest, makes it more of a grind 
and hopefully you break them down mentally, get a mistake, and capitalize. That's that's the optimistic way to look at this team. Pessimistic view, and I, I, let me let me rephrase that. Optimistic going into the World Cup with the way this team's been playing. Pessimistic in a way because you're looking at this roster and saying, well, it's not very good. The other, if you don't believe that, if you think this roster is actually full of guys like Christian Pulisic, world-class talent, Gio Reyna, world-class talent, Tim Weah, world-class talent waiting to be discovered. You know, like, mm-hmm. if you think this team has that, then this style becomes more frustrating to you because you say, like you just said, let them play more free. Let them do what they do. Don't bog them down Don't with these minutia. Them. Right, and let them just go out there and do their thing. That is more of a risk-reward situation, but I get why people get down on Greg for that and say, I think you're limiting what this team can do. I think you're limiting what this team can do. So it, it, I think it comes down to how you fundamentally view the guys that are likely to start for the U.S. If you think they all suck and they're not very good, then you probably like Greg Berhalter's system a little more. Yeah. If you think they are as talented as some of the other teams out there and could compete with them man for man, you probably don't like Greg's system as much and say they should be able to just go out there and do what they do. Um, by the way, talking about what that starting eleven looks like. Here's what's probably likely to be. Um, so we'll go with kind of the spots that are not. Well, we'll just go through them. Um, we'll start at the back. Matt Turner's probably going to start is the way I would say. Thomas Middleditch. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He looks like the what's he was on. Was it Silicon Valley? He was. He's the main guy on Silicon Valley. Yeah. And I noticed and that was, at Zaftig on Friday. That's when they showed a close like. up to him. It popped in my head. And I'm like, you're the main character from Silicon Valley. Well, and that guy, for those who haven't seen Silicon Valley, do you remember the old Verizon guy? Yeah. That's that's who that is. Same Correct. actor. Yeah. So that's that's who Matt Turner looks like. But uh, we know Greg would rather start Zach Steffen mm-hmm. because of the fact that he likes how Zach plays with his feet. But if I'm honest, who do you feel better at stopping shots in a big moment? I, I love Zach Steffen. He is one of my favorite all-time crew players. I feel better right now with Matt Turner back there sure. stopping shots. And I could care less if he plays as well with his feet. I don't care. Um, but whatever. I just I don't think that should be the only thing. I, I just I find that such a weird determination where it's like, well, this guy can play the ball out of the back better with his feet. Cool. Can he stop shots? Can he stop shots is what I need to happen the most. And for Like right- I get it, playing out of the back with your feet. Big thing. Yeah. Can and you I mean- stop a shot? And I'm not I'm not trying to be anti-homer or anything here. I love Zach Steffen. I do think he's got some moments. But Zach has this annoying tendency to look at some balls that I think he is talented enough to get to. And he looks at some shots and goes, well, there's no way I can stop that. And it's like, yeah, but, but like he'll like he'll he'll not even make the attempt. He'll just look at him and be like, well, I can't get to that. That was I just also- too good of a shot. And it's like, but try, though, like maybe like maybe don't give up on it until it's actually in the back of the net. And that's not I'm I know lots of goalkeepers do that. That's just a frustrating thing I've seen in his game that annoys me to a degree. Also on their day though, if you're talking about peak form between both goalies, like it's Zach Steffen all day. Uh, yes, at his best. Yeah. But, but we haven't seen that in years yes, now. And Zach Steffen has been injured and not getting time. That's what I mean. And so you just this and I know Matt Turner's not exactly getting a ton of time sure. either, but gotta you gotta go with the guy that you think is the best in the best form. We'll find out. That's gonna be one though to keep an eye on as we go into Every game, that will be a question mark. It would not surprise me at all if you see uh, two different keepers play in the group stage. That's the biggest storyline about player personnel decision 
I think that, so. That Greg will have yes, come World Cup. That will, and that will be a huge controversy if he starts Zach over Matt Turner for. It'll week, be a huge controversy either way. It'll be yeah, but well, it's going to be more of one I think for a You're lot right. of the for the vocal online Twitter crowd that's always complaining about everything with Greg Berhalter. <laughs> they will lose their shit if if he if Stefan is in and Turner is not. Um, I think anyways. I'm um, looking at the back four. Serginho Dest is your right back, yep. no doubt about that. Walker Zimmerman, no doubt at center back. The other spot is the one where there is some doubt or questions. Chris Richards would seem to be the guy that would be the first choice, but Aaron Long played both these games. Aaron Long, bad pass uh, in the Saudi Arabia, Aaron, too, by the way. And they were, and him and Zimmerman did not have a good outing no. against Japan either. No, that they were not on the same page. So I think it's Chris Richards' job to lose, but. We'll find out. I mean, he's probably the most talented center back of those guys, but he's missed all these tune-up games due to injury. And I don't, Aaron Long's a guy. He's the only guy, regardless of position in the U S men's national team player pool, who started all six of these tune-up matches. Okay. So that would give you an idea that Greg seems to at least believe that if Chris Richards is not able to go, or he does not believe in Chris Richards fitness level for a game, Aaron Long's going to get that nod. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and Anthony Robinson, when healthy, would be your starting left back, of course. Uh, we didn't talk about this guy. Tyler Adams had a decent game against Saudi Arabia. I think he was the best player on the field. Uh, he's usually the best player on the field. Yeah. I mean, he, they Tyler Adams is, is what you pin your hopes on for U.S. men's national team fans. In my opinion, Tyler Adams is the guy you look to and say, that's, that's right there. If he can just play at a world-class level, we've got a shot. Yeah. Because he can, he can really control a game, and he did a good job of it. There were still some issues with giveaways. He's a younger player. I mean, again, I, all these guys are young players. You know, you still have a very young team. It is the goal to get this team over the next two World Cups to play at the level they are hopefully capable of. And, man, winning one on, on U.S. soil would be amazing. But Winning one on Qatari soil would be amazing. Winning one, any, winning on one any in my soil. life. Winning one on amazing. Earth soil. Qualifying be- for a World Cup <laughs> is a major win. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, so Tyler Adams is your, you know, starting central defensive midfielder, yep. uh, Eunice Musa and Weston McKinney, your other two central midfielders. I mean, that's, that's a pretty boss lineup. If all three of those guys play on their yep. best day, that can be pretty fun. Uh, and then of course you've got uh, Tim Weah, Christian Pulisic, and the, the, the striker position becomes the question mark, right? Jesus Ferreira is probably the guy I think he's leaning towards, but Ricardo Pepe started in the last one. Uh, you also, of course, been a tough run for him for him. Yeah, it's been tough. And uh and uh Josh Sargent has like not really been able to establish himself despite yeah. everyone wanting to see it. It's just it's weird too because he seems to do good things in in his time playing in the championship. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the greatest level of soccer ever, but he seems to do okay with Norwich and I don't know. I don't I don't know what why it's not why he's not given more of a shot with the U.S. national team. I well, don't it's know. also, too, I mean, now you're searching for answers after going goalless yet again. And by the way, their last 12 games, they've gone eight out of 12 of those games without a goal and open play. So you're searching for answers at really every single term. Now I'm going to be interesting to see if Jordan Pifak, what he does over the next 30, 40 days. Before, yeah, right. that, before that roster has to be submitted on the 13th of November, and that was a big one leading into this game or leading into these two friendlies, what was is he going to get the call up? Is he going to get the call up? No, he didn't. Is there still time for him to make the cup squad? Because I know there were a lot of hashtag mad online fans about that as well. 
Yeah, I don't know what's I don't know what's going to happen there. It is it is a big question mark, and I think that other than the goalkeeper situation, I think that is, you know, uh, that is one of the other issues that you have. Be interested that, to see as well where Brennan Aronson fits in, Giorena too. Like you know, I mean, there's well, I am a big Brennan Aronson fan. Well, I know you have a jersey. <laughs> I I do. I actually it was a big debate. I also need to get a Tyler Adams. Like I want to get two jerseys, but yeah, I just Brennan Aronson scoring the no look goal kind of was like, all right, I'm rewarding that with the Jersey mm-hmm. purchase, but either way <laughs> like that, I am, I am looking at both those guys and hopeful that they will be good for leads, but also for the U S national team. But I'm curious to see what this, you know, what this team looks like. If Greg would just and, and entertain us listen for to second. this podcast, Greg, I wonder what would happen if Greg just said, Hey, we're going with the false nine screw it. We don't need it. We don't need a striker up top. We're we're not we're not going with a you know that traditional level yeah. of maybe maybe this solves a lot of the issues right where you just have so many guys in the midfield who can play and who should be good and who can take shots from anywhere yeah like I know people get worn down by the Greg hatred online <laughs> but what if the initial kernel of that has some truth to it right like what if all the people complaining about this alignment say yeah well maybe they're going overboard with how much they have to keep hammering on it and harping on it. But just to go back to the central point of it, like maybe it would be good to just go with a false nine. And maybe they're working out. on it behind closed doors. Maybe that's a thing that we burst out in their first game in the world cup. Didn't I want to say they did that in the 98 world cup where I know they went with a three, six, one in the 98 world cup. And uh spoiler alert, if you didn't watch any of that, it went poorly, but <laughs> um, you can go back in. History think, doesn't repeat itself. Yeah, though, it, ever. It, it was not good. Um, so I, maybe they're working on some secret formation that Doubt they're not it. telling us about, but I'm going to guess that's not the case. I'm knowing Greg from not knowing him, but just watching him here. I don't, I don't tend to think he's going to do something like that. There was also this quote from Burhalter that I found funny. Uh, he was asked. So uh, Burhalter had a couple quotes. One was that there were not many players who performed up to their normal level this camp. So he was disappointed in the performances he saw, but then he was asked to elaborate on what became clear to him during this little tune-up cycle, he said, quote, things. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. he, he's just, he's having fun with trolling the, the online debate. So this will remain kind of a concern. You know, I don't I don't know if Jordan Peefock will get left on the roster or not. I don't know if you will see them maybe switch up formations at the top and say, let's just go with as many wingers as we can. And, send you know, as many of the attacking midfield wingers type play and just not bother with having a true striker, you know, back to goal striker up there. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think that should happen. I would like to see it. I doubt it will. Five, four, one. Let's go do it. So it's that's let's just add just in make up. Let's make up formation, make up a formation. You know what? Six, three, one. Let's just not let them have anything back there. <laughs> you just, that is literally parking the bus. One, four, five, one, four, five. Wow. You just say, all right, keeper sweeper. Sure. Like, have that go. All right. That's fine. Zero three seven. Zero three seven. I like that. Boy, what a what a game that could be. That's you better not lose possession in your final third. <laughs> it's over. It's over for Bozo. Stupid. This is why we're not managing. This is why we're not managing. Much. That's right. Uh we will take a break. When we come back. We will talk a little Premier League. We'll also talk about the World Cup final in 2026 and where it's likely headed. All that and more coming up. It is Bone and Beam United, brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. What a 
Beam United. Brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. So, Premier League is back. We hinted at this a little bit earlier in the show, but Beamer, your uh, quick thoughts on Manchester United taking on Manchester City. Hey, man, I don't even care what it looks like. I really don't. I mean, Erling Holland's going to shatter every goal record. You and I joked mm. around before he made his debut for City. Like, what was the number? What's the over-under going to be? And I'm like, I feel pretty confident that it's going to be like 30. Oh, can he play in the Premier League? Farmers League over can in the he, Bundesliga. Can he play in the Buddy, Premier League? The Premier League is a farmer, Farmers League to him. I he's mean, he, the tra- let me tell you, he's the tractor. He's the combine. He's yeah. the livestock. He's the whole farm if it's a Farmers League in Germany. I don't know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know why people <laughs> thought that. Honest to God with this dude. He is. Yeah, you're right. It must be terrifying knowing that now he's got added motivation. Like, it's. Hey, it's not just coming to the Premier League and be good because everyone's not sure if you can play. Now it's the rivalry game. Your your first crack at the rivalry game. That seems that seems bad for your boys. It does. It, it seems does. bad for your guys. Hey, I'm not gonna lie. You know what? We'll take it though, because uh, the game is back now. The last time that United played a Premier League game was all the way back a month ago when they <laughs> took it to Arsenal. That's right. So that was the last Premier League game that they played in. Since then, they took on Real Sociedad in the, I was going to say Champions League, but I knew that was wrong because they're not in that. They're uh, not in that. In the Europa League. And then you, of course, beat Sheriff. How can you forget that game uh, Mm. that happened over there? So you've had had three games in a month. Then you've had an international break. I saw Harry Maguire got injured. He wasn't going to be on the field anyways. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really have any thoughts other than this, other than Erling Holland, the destroyer of souls, collector of infinity stones, and he's going to get one uh, this upcoming weekend. I do know that I'm just very excited for the Premier League to be back yeah, and yeah. that I get to watch and enjoy, and I'm going to be happy when I wake up on Sunday morning, and I will basically be miserable by the time that 11, 11.30 comes around. But that's, that's okay right. because that's why we love it, Bone. That's yeah. why we love it, and it's finally back on, and I don't really care what happens. It is. Yes, it is very much so. And uh, prior to that, on Saturday, you do have the big Arsenal-Tottenham derby. So yeah. that's that's fun as well. So couple big matchups there that I think are that are nice to see. Well, and, and Arsenal, too, can they continue that form? I yeah. mean, I know that, you know, it's been the top of the league. They've exceeded expectations. Arteta By, has them playing really, yes, really well. They're flying right now. And that's what I mean. Like, can you, as a team, get over this hump? Like, how long is it going to take you to get back into that shape uh, in back to that form that we saw? Now, a little bit different for Arsenal because their game didn't get postponed. So the last time that we saw them was two weeks ago, and they hammered Brentford. So they've yes. had – it's been so weird keeping up with all these Premier League teams because, like, some played – uh, after the Queen's death, and some didn't because of logistics and policing problems. So, also, it's a mess moving forward. Their schedule. This like, is yeah. Good thing this happened in a World Cup year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you can't obviously control. That's happening in death. November. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you're. Yes. Right. Which also. So two things that usually never happen are now happening in the Premier League season: a World Cup and then the death of a monarch, which you know may she rest in peace. But that did cause some headaches for the schedulers. I'm sure they would never complain about that but i'm sure it has to be difficult so oh, yeah nobody complains about schedules of, <laughs> well i didn't say that jurgen klopp wouldn't complain about it i said that <laughs> those people who make the schedules for the premier league would just say oh well you know that's what you have to do when this happens we're you know glad to celebrate the, the queen's reign and all that mm-hmm. stuff but yeah it's uh yeah it created a mess for sure i i know it's the least of the concerns for people over there but yeah not great 
So they're going to have to figure out how to get all these games rescheduled. Of course, they got to get the derby between uh, Manchester United and Leeds United. Yep, get it back on. Yep, got to do that. Leeds plays uh, at 11, 11, 11.30 on Sunday. 11.30, yeah. Yep. So that'll be – I'm just glad to see them play again because the same thing. I think I ordered that jersey, and they've not – like, I received the jersey in the mail. They have not once – they have not played since. <laughs> I don't think they've played since, the, since I got the jersey in the mail, and that, that has been sweet, like though. a month ago. Yeah, well – I had a little thing for Nottingham Forest back when they were going to play that game before it didn't get played. Yeah. Where I was standing in a bunch of trees looking at that with my Aronson jersey on going like, I'm going to burn this son of a bitch. No. <laughs> That's not no, what I, the you idea said. Was I was scouting. I was, oh. I was just scouting Forest. I was scouting Forest for the I thought you said you were going to switch allegiances after no. purchasing the Aronson no, jersey. No, 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 okay. no. Although I do like the Nottingham. I've always liked the Nottingham Forest. You logo. do like switching Good allegiances logo. as well. So I, I, I will do that as well. Well, yeah. it's the Premier League. Unlike you, I didn't grow up in England and watch all these games as a little boy. Oh, wait, you didn't either. I forgot. <laughs> so I don't know which one's more absurd. I switch it all the time or you being loyal to a team that kicks you in the face for the last 10 years. I don't know. I'm not sure. which. Both one are stupid. Both are absolutely right. Both are stupid. Also, I think this is stupid. Maybe you don't. Um, the World Cup final, of course, the World Cup will be in the U.S. as well as Canada and Mexico mm-hmm. in 2026. The final question marks of where they were going to play the final. Would it be in LA? Would it be in New York? Now, full disclosure in LA, that would be in a stadium with a roof on it. Yeah. So far. That'd be at SoFi. Yep. If it was in New York, that would be in a stadium that currently has artificial surfaces. Maybe that would change by then. I don't know. They would obviously put in real grass for the world cup and they are going to host matches in both those venues. However, the venue that would be, they are saying likely to host the World Cup final will be Jerry's World. That's going to be the the Dallas Stadium, the Cowboys Stadium in Arlington, Texas, I think is where that yeah. is, outside of Dallas. That's where they're anticipating, according to some reporting that was happening this week, that's where they're saying the World Cup final will be. Your thoughts on Jerry World hosting the World Cup final? Um, I'm actually okay with it, and I know we're going to differ in opinion on this. So you go and... You look at stadiums that are hosting here in the U.S., that are hosting in Mexico, that are hosting in Canada. I think there's only a handful that are worthy of hosting a World Cup final, right? And I think it's L.A. It's obviously New York, big media market. And that's what we look at here in the States. Like, oh, big media market, big media market. This is going to be great. Like, you don't realize this is a world event. Nobody gives really two flips about where the World Cup final is going to be hosted as far as a tv perspective it's yeah on a tv side of things they can host it in any of these cities any of the cities that are going to be bidding to get a world cup game are going to be more than big enough to host a world cup final yes and so my thing is it would likely come down between three cities for me and i would i kind of kick new york to the curb too i didn't even think that they had a shot it was either going to be california Okay. It was going to be Los Angeles, which I guess was in the running with SoFi. It's a beautiful new stadium. I haven't been out there. I haven't seen it. I don't know what it's like personally. Right. It looks great from a distance. Yeah. Uh, Las Vegas, I thought, would have been a decent one. That's a dome. Okay, it's in Vegas. Cool. Party town. That's a town where, obviously, they have hosted events before. I think that would go swimmingly. And then another thought of mine was Jerry World. Like, it's going to be down in Dallas. Oh, you and thought this was a likely solution. Okay. Just in my thoughts, I'm, like, thinking about, possible world cup final destinations in the host cities and the locations in which they're going to have cup games uh, at them. And I just, 
for whatever reason, I was like, eh, they're going to go to L.A. Of course they're going to go to L.A. You got the Rose Bowl. It's the homage to the Rose Bowl. We're having it in the same city. Tip of the cap. Okay, perfect. But I, I don't I don't really have a problem with this. I've been to Jerry World. I've been to AT&T Stadium. What did you think of it? Did you like it? It's gorgeous. I mean, it is beautiful. Oh, uh, I'm sure. I mean, I, aesthetically from the outside, it looks like it's yeah, an but incredible also, structure. But like inside, I'm saying, did you find I know it's I'm, I'm sure it's all nice and new and all that stuff. But did you find it to be like a a good atmosphere to watch a game because I feel like some of those places end up getting, I know they're giant football stadiums. Yeah. Sometimes they don't have the, the intimacy, I guess that you would want, even like Ohio stadium. Sure. It's cavernous, but just, I can compare Ohio stadium to the big house. Cause I've been in both mm-hmm. a couple different times to me. There's no comparison Ohio stadium. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Buckeye fan. Ohio stadium feels like you are a little bit closer to the action. It's a little bit more on top being down. Being down low, you feel like it's, if you look up, it feels like there's a lot more right on top of you. Michigan Stadium, it just feels like the people in the top row might as well be in a different zip code. And I just am curious, how does Dallas, like that stadium, do you feel like it's a little more like Ohio Stadium on everything's kind of on top of you? Or does it feel like it's very vast and spread out? Uh, This is going to be a must be nice note moment. So I can't, I can't attest to that. The only time I've been down there is when Ohio State played Oregon in the national championship game back in 2014. I was working for our Ohio State radio network, and I was on the field for the game. Well, that's what I'm okay, but on the field, how did it how did it feel down loud. there? It felt it loud, felt like and it were... felt like a pretty good environment. Okay, from my All perspective, right. so I can't I can't attest to watching game atmosphere. I can attest to having massive, gigantic football players. 20 yards away from me and me being down on the field, looking up at their gigantic jumbotron that runs 20 yard line to 20 yard line and literally seeing a play in front of me. And at the same time, I'm looking up and watching it on the TV screen, like the jumbotron screen. So I think it's okay. I liked Dallas as a city. Again, I've only been there one time. It's a giant parking lot. I don't know if they've built more around the stadium. It's their sports complex. I mean, that's where I think the Rangers new stadium is. I think there's a couple more over there. It's a giant parking lot. So as far as pregame festivities, March to the matches, I'm sure they will build that out for a world cup. final. I I mean, even if they don't like, it'd be nice. It'd be cool to tailgate for a, World Cup final. Yeah. I think I'd be. I would do that even if it's parking I mean, pass is three thousand dollars from oh FIFA. God, I'm sure. I but I also think too, I cannot imagine how much all these tickets are going to cost. Oh, I can't either. And I mean, my kids the, won't be able to go to college because of the World Cup. Sorry. Just think of that, FIFA. Think of that when you talk about growing the game and this is for mm-hmm. the children. Like my kids want to go to college, but it's also ninety thousand seats. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people. Oh, I know. That you I can know. Pack in there. Do you, yeah. They. The, but that's I, not necessarily as good because if you go back. Uh, a couple of years ago when the World Cup was in Brazil, I thought that final, uh, the stadium where they had it on, I'm drawing a blank of where's the, where forget. they played it now. Yeah. Uh, or the one back in Germany, I think, is it 2006? Their World Cup final, their stadium in Berlin was tremendous. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, it, I'm sure it can be good. I am I am hopeful that the surfaces will all hold up. Again, we're a long way away from this, right? You actually have to. But I, I hope that they will do the right thing with all the, you know, finding ways to get that surface to be as top-notch as possible for the players on it. But, yeah, it just in general, I guess what annoys me is something that we really can't control, and there's no there's no way to fix this for the World Cup. But I get annoyed by all the stadiums that we now have where everyone's like, we hope that we can build this stadium and then host WrestleMania yeah, and then host an NCAA tournament game. And it's like, 
can we just build some outdoor stadiums that actually feel like outdoor stadiums hey, where man, I feel like you can see the outside just a smidge? Chicago I Bears boy over here leaving yeah. Soldier Field. Yeah, right. Soldier Field. And what are they going to do? Build a new stadium 50 minutes away from the city. And what's it going to look like? A, a giant dome. dome. Yes. And they're saying why? Because we want to host Final Four in WrestleMania. And it's like, build a football stadium. Like, just have places where you can actually feel like you're outside a little bit. I do like, again, I, I, I love lower.com field. I know they're never going to put something like that here, but I'm saying that stadium does feel like you're outside. Yeah. Even though it has covering, it has good amenities for the fans. It, it They take care of you and they make it nice. It's still, even just being in the concourse, you just feel like there's a breeze wafting through. You can actually breathe the air that is outside. You don't feel like you're walking through an NBA arena where it's like yeah. the concourse is you're all in, or a hockey arena where you're inside from the start and the entire game is just indoors. I like soccer stadiums, like a football stadium to feel like it's outside a little bit. Call me crazy. So I know that probably most of the stadiums they're going to pick are not going to feel that way, mm -hmm. but you know, even like Lumen field, which is where Seattle plays. I don't remember if they're on the list of getting a, a world cup match or not. I don't remember, but I've been there recently. And so that one's like fresh in my head. I watched a soccer game there. I watched the uh, OL rain play Megan Rapino's team. And that is definitely you are outside. I mean, they do a good job with the, you know, acoustics to keep the sound in. But if you've ever watched the Seahawks game, I mean, you can definitely tell there are elements. The weather's there. Like we were right. sitting in the sun. It was hot. Like, but that that's the way it should feel. You're outside watching a soccer game. That's I just like that aesthetic more than I like the idea of playing it in Jerry World. So your host cities for 2026. Yes. We can go Remind through the list. Me, I've forgotten Atlanta inside. Dallas inside. Yeah. Houston inside. Yeah. Kansas City outside. All right. Los Angeles outside, inside, technically outside. Eh, I, I don't know. Kinda, what I would call it inside. Miami outside. Yeah. That's a nice looking That's, stadium. That Miami, by the way, I don't give them a ton of credit, but that like their uh, hard rock casino stadium, whatever. Yeah, it's great. like It's like lower.com field on steroids. It's the closest that you can get. Yeah, to a, it's like a giant soccer stadium. Yeah, is how they designed. They literally said they went and looked at European stadiums and designed it like that. And it looks great. Boston is another one that's going to be outside. Yeah, and then New York, New Jersey, New York slash New Jersey, that's outside. Philly is outside at the link. San Francisco Bay Area, that's, that's an outside yeah. stadium, and Seattle's an outside stadium. So okay, Seattle did get one. I'm trying to think now that because I think we did this earlier. If I had to go back and redraft where I would go to watch games. I mean, it's going to be as expensive a ticket as you can get. My three stops that I would be picking, two of them will be super expensive. Seattle's one, Miami's one, Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City's for sure. Kansas City is like, but that's, I'm going to Kansas City. I Please give the U.S. national team a game in Kansas City. Yes. That makes so much damn sense. That area where they have that stadium is a perfect place. Let, let people do tailgating for the Kansas City game. Again, I'm planning something that is still four years away. Three and a half. <laughs> right. It's not that far away. But there, Miami's going to be a ridiculous ticket. And I'm quite sure the U.S. won't get a game in Miami because they will probably want that. That's a big international hub, right? A lot of people fly in and out of Miami. A lot of good flights go in there. So I'm sure they will want to put other, you know, a lot of European-based yeah, teams to, and a I'm lot of South American-based teams. They will probably want to be going. Or like any team from Central America, they'll want to get those games in Miami, I'm guessing, if they can. Because that's probably going to be an easier flight for a lot of people. They want to sell the most tickets. I'm trying to figure out where the U.S. would potentially play at. And I'm guessing you're going to have one. You'll West get one in either New York or Philly. 
like a like a or Boston. Yeah, I like somewhere like. somewhere in that East quadrant. Coast. Yes, you're definitely going to get one on the West Coast. Like thousand percent, you're going to get one I on the West Coast. I think you're going to get one in L.A. L.A. or San Francisco probably gets one. Yeah, probably Los Angeles. Yeah. And then I hope they say, you know what? Why don't we just give the Midwest one and give it to Kansas City? Well, Kansas City, right. And I they're mean, not. They're going to give it to Dallas, but. You're, exa- they <laughs> you're will. exactly right. Of course they, they will. will. They will, Because it's the most money you're to right, be made. It's the most money to be made off of a U.S. game is for them and to you know host why? at a 90,000-seat stadium. You're right. They will max. Actually, that's what we should do is order the three biggest stadiums. That's where they're going to put the U.S. Yeah. That's exactly right. You're you're 100% right. And that's good, too, I guess, because that means more right. of us could get tickets, sure. theoretically. But I say throw us in Guadalajara, Monterey, and Vancouver. Dude, I want to go to Monterey. Uh, if I can... I would go to Vancouver too. I would Vancouver would be Me too. Even though that's indoors. Huge Vancouver guy. That's I <laughs> You love Vancouver. Never been. I would, looks I want to get up to, I want to get more dude, I the more time I could spend up Pacific Northwest, let me go. Which I just realized in Canada, that is the Pacific Southwest. <laughs> but technically in the to me that's still a Pacific Northwest part of the continent. So, let me live. Uh all right, final thoughts here as we get to ready to wrap this up. Uh you've got the crew taking on New York Red Bull. Ugh. Uh, that ugh, yeah is right. They're at Charlotte and at Orlando to close it out. Miami at Toronto, host Orlando and host Montreal to wrap this up. Uh, go check out Forecast Nate. Nate Beckman did a good job. Or uh, Forecast MLS now. Uh, go check out Nate Beckman's uh, Twitter handle that breaks all this down. Uh, here are here is what we have for basic scenarios that you need for the crew. Let's just rely on Miami to screw up as opposed to the crew to do anything because I don't trust the crew to do anything. If Miami loses to Toronto, opens up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. If they lose or tie to Orlando, opens up quite a bit. So let's just root for that, and then the crew can just do whatever, you know? Because at this point, I have no faith in the I crew. I have no confidence. No, I don't either. Go crew, too. Yeah. Go Cappies. Cappy Bears, right. They got off to a good start uh, with no. Rochester, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not Rochester Rhinos. Different Rod- Rochester, Rochester NYRB. Just stupid. I don't even know if that's a real thing. So stupid. Anyway, uh, that's it for us. We're going to get out of here. Not too much crew talk today because we'll we'll react once they do something, which they won't. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Bone and Beam United on Twitter. Hit us up.